Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success. Hello, this is Women Up Radio, supporting Empower Women. And today we're talking about women's strengths in overcoming challenges, their values and beliefs from entering the field of marine biology and conservation to participating in polar expeditions. I'm joined in the studio by my guest, Susan Gallon, an adventurous marine biologist specializing in seals, my favorite animals, um, acutely aware of the struggles with climate change and the Arctic. Susan is participating in the all-woman expedition to the North Pole, not only for personal challenge, but also to raise awareness of this wild and fragile part of the world. So welcome to the programme, Susan. Hi, everybody, and thank you, Hannah, for inviting me today to share my journey. It's an absolute pleasure, and it's going to be so interesting. So can you tell us what led you to choose the field of marine biology and how have you managed to lead such an adventurous life with it? I'm totally jealous. <laughs> so I chose the field of marine biology after a diving trip when I was 16. Okay. Uh, before that, yes. <laughs> Actually, before that, I would uh, mainly read a lot of books. And I mainly studied art and literature. And I always thought that I would open a bookshop in the middle of nowhere. Yes. <laughs> so then there was <laughs> yes, there was a change of plan after that diving trip when uh, I I put my head under the water. Yeah. And I just I was amazed by what I saw. I was amazed by what I felt being that kind of 3D environment, uh, and I just realized how much has been had been hidden from me. Yeah. Uh, for so long uh, that was not in the book it was me experiencing stuff and that was new for me yeah. um, so and then since uh, so I changed from literature to science yeah. and then the more I did science uh, the more I, I figured out what I liked about it and it's always been the marine environment yeah uh, I like the challenge associated with it the fact that unless you go diving, you don't see what's happening. So you always rely on like technologies and other like tools to try and figure out what is happening out there. And so you keep discovering new stuff. So it's, it's a really exciting field to be working in. Oh, it sounds absolutely amazing. I have to ask because I'm a scuba diver as well. Yeah. How did you first dive to give you this inspiration? Was it in France or was it somewhere a bit more exotic? No, it was in France, in Brittany. Uh, really? It was kind of, yeah, it was like a, um, in the summer you have field trip offered to you. And that was, I guess, a challenge for me where I would mainly prefer to be sitting in a chair reading book. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I was like, okay, I will do something totally different. Yeah. Go diving. You never dived before. In Brittany, never been to Brittany before. And <laughs> um, yeah, changed my life. Brittany totally. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But I've never dived in Brittany because oh. I think it must be extremely cold. <laughs> It's, it's, it's less cold than Scotland. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's not difficult. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, I think with the appropriate gear, it's not that cold and, and it's really stunning. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I would highly yeah. recommend. Yeah, there's lots of, even some like uh, um, cold corals and amazing, yeah. Oh, Every really? color, yeah, really oh, stunning. I'll have to speak to you after the program to ask you more, right? <laughs> so with marine biology, that because it's science, it's one of the STEM subjects. And I know there's a lot of talk about the lack of women and the problems they face for advancement in STEM. Did you find the fact that you're a woman was a drawback? And did you find that there was much discrimination or even disapproval for following this type of career path? Uh, so I wouldn't say it's a drawback. For me, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'm lucky because I, I don't think I never felt discrimination or disapproval following this career path. But I am lucky to have understanding like friends and family uh, that have always supported me uh, when I would disappear for long periods of time in far and remote places. Um, (laughs) You're very lucky. (laughs) Yes, yes, I I realize that. Like it's it's easier if you've got like, yeah, friends and family that support you and not like make you feel guilty of of doing something you love doing. Yes, yeah. and also, I, I don't have kids so far. And, and maybe it's because I'm scared in some way that it will change my lifestyle or reduce some opportunity, opportunities. Yeah. Even though that I think it's wrong to think like this. And, you know, my friends who had kids told me, you know, that it didn't, you know, it changed, but in a good way. And, and you always go back to what you love doing. You know, you, you set up your own choice. Yes. But it is something that is is always there you know um and then i also have to admit that uh on a few occasions not that many but when i didn't get a job in the past um there was there was always a small part of me that wondered and and what if i was a man but but that is something that i will never know you know and and i and in the end at some point to get something where you feel right where you're happy and that's what important yes yeah i agree as long as what you get you're really happy with and it brings you alive it's fantastic so definitely i know you've done a lot of research into seals and as you know i'm absolutely passionate about seals i think they're wonderful so when you went into research was it the subject of research in general that interested you or seals in particular? Yes, yes. Seals are amazing creatures. I totally <laughs> agree on that. And I could talk for hours about how incredible they are. Uh, so I will just say one quick fact uh, about my favorite species, which are uh, southern elephant seals. Yeah. They are the biggest seal you can find on the planet. Uh, and seven elephant seals live all around Antarctica and Subantarctic Island. Yeah. And they can stay for more than two hours in the water, which, during which they can dive to 2,500 meters or more. 2,500? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh and, and all that on empty lungs. So, you know, oh when people ask me, you know, why do you want to study them? Just that, you know, it's just like summarize you know how fascinating they are and that's just one of the facts but yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> so if I go, yes, they are incredible. Uh, so back to the question. Um, but I, I didn't choose seals at first. I chose marine biology in general. Yeah. Because also I thought that marine mammal was out of my reach. You know, it was something that was for really lucky or really special or really yeah. super intelligent people. I don't know. Uh, and I did love everything about the marine environment. So um, it was okay. And then opportunities and then counters led me luckily into seals and then whales and dolphins. And then the more you study them and the more you want to know about them. So yeah, I've been lucky to have been brought on that path. Definitely. Wonderful. Oh, that's great. So do you find now that there are more people who want to work in wildlife and conservation and the environment? And if so, do you think it's people's values and beliefs about nature and ecology and protecting the environment that are changing? Or is it more that the media are doing a better job at bringing these issues into the spotlight? Mm. I do think that there are more people that want to work in conservation nowadays. Mm -hmm. I cannot say if it is because people's values and beliefs have, have changed. Uh, I think the main reason is that our planet is suffering, suffering yeah. from pollution, from global warming, and species around us are disappearing fast. Mm -hmm. uh, we are currently experiencing the worst spate of species die off since the loss of the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. Really? That's, yeah, that's massive. Like, yeah, 99% uh, of, of these current threatened species are also at risk because of human activity. This is pretty sad. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and yes, I believe that, that the media is doing a better job, a good job at bringing yeah. this issue uh, into the spotlight, definitely. Yeah. So what progress is being made regarding conservation worldwide? Because I'm, well, I don't know enough about it, but are some countries more dedicated than others? Or is it more greatly influenced by things like foundations and research organisations and even international NGOs? Uh, so, yes, uh, but some countries do seem to be more dedicated than others. Like uh, some create large protected area, for example, a marine protected area in Chile, uh, land protected area to protect forest uh, yeah. or big land in Argentina. Yeah. Uh, some develop education program. Uh, it can be about recycling, about not disturbing wildlife. It's all important step. Uh, some countries have started banning plastic bags. Yes. Uh, but... Not all countries have the capacity to dedicate resources to conservation. And that is when international NGOs and research organizations uh, can play a big role. Yes. But for me, in the end, uh, progress is mainly made by individual people. We all play a role at our scale. And yes, a good president will sign an agreement. Uh, but after the bad president, can we draw that agreement? Yes the people in the country can choose to continue to recycle, to not use plastic. Uh, if you work in an NGO and public money is cut, then you will start looking for other sources of funding. And, and what I want to say is that countries and NGO play a massive role. 
but we all play an important role and big changes for me are generally driven by dedicated people that make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they start the, almost like the grassroots movement. Yes. What progress do you see happening in the next 20 or 30 years? Uh, so what progress do I see or do I want? Well, so. both. <laughs> okay, tell me both. Very good. <laughs> so the progress that I see, um, I strongly believe that there will be better protected areas and species because we're just starting to use all the new technology to protect species and not only to study them. Mm -hmm. uh, I see that around me. It's a new, big, recent shift. Um, for example, um, until now, recently, we would mainly use all the latest satellite technology, to, which is great to study seals migration at sea, for example. Yeah. But it was mainly for pure research um, uh, to provide information on the foraging ecology or physiology. And now... Uh, the same researcher and, and new researcher like team up with companies to develop new tags, for example, for elephant or rhinoceros in Africa yeah. to send an alarm if they are in danger so we can go and do something. And this yeah. is a new way to use this technology, not just to learn or to study these species, but to protect them. And that is good. That's yes. Brilliant. It is. It is. So this, this brings hope. Uh, and yeah, and it's good that science is using this way. Yeah. So yeah, there's all this like science for conservation that is, is developing fast. And, and what I would like, <laughs> really hope, uh, is a plastic-free world. Um, I, I, and I think it can happen in 20 to 30 years. We can get rid of plastic. And so do you think plastic is, the, is almost like the, the worst crime against conservation? Is, is that what's causing more problems? I think it's one of them. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's also one where we can all act. You know, when, yeah. when you ask to people to do something to reduce global warming, it's yeah. hard to figure out how you can do that. You know, you yeah. can walk instead of taking your car, but, you know, it's, but stop using plastic that you find everywhere, like everywhere in the ocean, everywhere on land. This is something we can all do. And it's something that you can, you know, ban plastic, it's, it's easy. Banning using petrol is less easy. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope for that. Huh. It's interesting because I know um, where I live, I mean, I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but simple things like our rubbish, when we throw out our rubbish, um, we've now got three different categories of, you know, sorting things and blah, blah, blah. Um, and one of them, which is the um, sort of the household things like, you know, the old vegetables, the old bits of food, yes. if you don't actually keep them for your compost heap, we've got a special um, bag that we have to use, which is biodegradable. So, and they refuse to take the rubbish if it's in a plastic bag. So I think that's then it's the commune starting something small but it can have a huge impact and it makes people aware of the difference and I think even starting with things like that it helps but there's another idea I have which I mean I'm sure they won't ever do it but it would be good um, because one of our bins is for plastic and cardboard now 
but yet, yet again at the same time if we have newspapers to throw away or bottles or something like that we actually have to go to the rubbish tip you know or we have to go into the town the special areas now as they've already started with household waste you know the vegetables and blah 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 it would be such a good idea if they refused to take plastic as a normal rubbish collection and made people take plastic to a special place in the middle of town because people are naturally lazy about things like that so it's psychological if they had to take plastic somewhere special i'm sure they'd buy much less plastic so. Oh yes, and also there's like all kind of shops reducing the plastic, and also going back to glass bottle. Yes, uh, all that, all that helps yeah. massively. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry, I got distracted there. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Anna Letitia Cook at Women Up Radio. With all the experience you have, and with the fact that you chose to go into this field of marine biology and you succeeded from changing your direction from art literature etc what advice would you give to young women who want to enter this field today and what can they do to improve their opportunities well, i will give them three advices today um, one is to follow their dream because you are good at what you love doing Yes. Two, to bounce back. Because yes, it's not always easy, but if you keep going, keep trying, then you will get there. And three, be optimist, be happy, be someone people want to work with. Excellent. That's perfect advice. I agree 100% with all of that. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Such a nice life to have that as well. Right? So, Okay, so another thing which is absolutely fascinating, you're participating in the all-woman Euro-Arabian North Pole expedition very soon. Can you tell us about the expedition? What do you hope to achieve? And what are the main challenges and dangers that you'll encounter during this trek to the North Pole? And by the way, I'm totally jealous about that as well as the seals. <laughs> So, yes, I'm lucky again. Uh, yeah, this is a, an all-woman expedition that uh, will ski the last degree to the North Pole this April. Uh, the expedition is led by Felicity Ashton, an amazing British explorer. Uh, and she selected 10 women from Europe and the Middle East to accompany her on this journey. Yeah. And the main aim of this expedition is to uh, foster greater dialogue and understanding between women from Western and Arabic culture. Yes. And by the way, none of us are super women. Uh, <laughs> and, and because we also want to show that anyone that put their mind to something can do it. And that was actually the first question I asked myself when I saw Felicity's advert was, yeah. can they do it? <laughs> And, and I will always remember our first training in Iceland when Felicity told us that we could all do it if we want it. And she was there to tell us how. Oh, really? And yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> oh, good God. I think that's incredible. So and, what, what are the main challenges and dangers? Because, I mean, North Pole is 
pretty bleak, pretty deserted, and you know, it doesn't have rescue services very easily. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. You can't yeah. dial 999 and call for the police or the ambulance. So. No, that's all the preparation is going into that. So nothing bad happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the main challenges for me are first to ski all day, every day. That is yeah. a lot of time yeah. with yourself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then there will be the 24 hours daylight. So I'm, I'm not sure how well I will sleep. Oh, yeah. uh, then there's like... Uh, practical stuff like uh, peeing in a bottle so I don't have to get out of the tent in the night and this is um, something I'm currently training at uh, and, and then there's also like sharing my emotions because we we do video diaries and writing for a book so for sure I can talk about the weather every day uh, but what I will be asked and what people are interested in is, uh, is what I have to say about how I coped with that weather. Yeah. And, yeah. and yes, this is challenging. Um, yeah. And the main, we, yeah? Sorry, is, it, is the, the weather dangerous at that time of year or is it dangerous all year? I just don't know enough about the, the North Pole. Yes, it's dangerous all the time. Yeah, the main danger are the weather, I think the cold frostbite losing a nose a finger or worse really? going into hypothermia yeah this is this is real and that was the first uh, training from felicity it was yeah. how to protect protect us from the cold and anticipate an incident and uh, oh. then there's all the crevasses falling into open water that doesn't sound good either <laughs> we want to avoid that <laughs> And then there's a polar bear. There shouldn't be any that far from the ice age, but uh, with global warming, uh, footprint of polar bear have been seen much further from that water age uh, recently. Oh, really? So we'll have, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye for for them. Uh, so so that might also disturb our sleep. And how cold will it actually be? But usually it can be anything between minus 10 and minus 40. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That's cold. <laughs> it is cold. And what about the water? You said you've got to go across open water. So how cold is the water? But we'll try to avoid the water. We really yeah. want to avoid uh, falling into the water. Uh, yeah. But the water is, is, is around like zero degrees. It's yeah. like it's... It's flowing water, but it's a few degrees, so yeah. it's it's warmer than the air normally. Yes, well, that's good, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, fall in the water. Uh, the first thing is to get out of the water as quickly as possible, and then yeah. to get all your stuff out and and yeah. jump in a sleeping bag in a tent to warm up. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose um, you're having to drag everything you need with you so you're having to drag sledges with I don't know the tents and the food and stuff like that yes everything um yeah sleeping bag mats food fuel uh, rifles in case of polar bear so how heavy are the sledges oh um I would say um because just now we've only had training for a few days so they were less less heavy than they would be for the North Pole but I imagine something at least like 30 kilo really god it's it's really 
quite an expedition. I mean, physically, you must have to be really fit, let alone mentally, but physically, just the, the act of skiing all day, every day, and dragging something along, uh, that's a lot of energy that's needed. It is a lot of energy, but um, I think fitness is important, but it's, it's a lot about endurance. We yes. won't go fast. We yeah. go slow and continuously yeah. because uh, you don't want to overheat because you don't take layer off in the North Pole. So you set yeah. off at a slow pace yeah. and you sing all day. And through the day, you only stop for like seven minutes every hour and a half to drink or, or eat something quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like training for, for a marathon where, yeah. you know, there's a lot of physical training because yeah. you are running for like a marathon. Yeah. Uh, there is some fitness needed, but it's just will be like, like the, um, the endurance and, yes. and mentally to yeah. go through it. Oh, God, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. You must have incredible mental strength and determination. But, so how did you get involved in this? And what type of background do you have in challenges, challenges of this sort? Have you done anything like this before? So I got involved. I saw Felicity's advert on a social network. And uh, and at that point, I asked myself, why not? Yeah. Because I had the North Pole in my head for so long. <laughs> I think maybe as a marine biologist. And I thought that was my opportunity. I wanted to see that ice before it all melts. Mm-hmm. I wanted to witness that change. Yeah. Um, and so I applied, got the interview, and, and I was selected to join the team. And that was sure surreal. And it still is. Um, and, and I don't think I never challenged myself like this before, uh, as I, I signed up for a half marathon a few years ago, yeah. and that was a big deal for me at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and also in some way I'm used to rough and cold places for my work. Yes. Uh, but the differences are that for this scientific mission, I didn't have to carry on my gear and food every day. Yes. I didn't have to set up camp every day. Yeah. When the weather was too bad, we would postpone our work and we had more comfort. Yes. And yeah. so in all these missions, I would always have some books and games for free time yeah. <laughs> on bad days. And yeah. not this time. Uh, this expedition is really going back to the basic for survival, pushing yeah. ourselves. So we all reached the North Pole in one piece. So yeah, anything oh, new and challenging for me. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's so inspirational. It really is. I've been watching all of the Facebook lives that you've done and things like that. And uh, it just makes me dream of doing things. Anyway, right? so, well, as I'm saying, this is a really good example of growing and empowering ourselves from our own experience. So in what way do you think this helps to empower women? Well, I, I recently gave a talk to 13-years-old kids from a high school. Mm-hmm. And I asked them name of explorers. And they couldn't give me one woman. Oh, All me? men. Uh, yeah, I had Christophe Colomb, Neil Armstrong, Jean-Jacques Cousteau, Jacques Elton. Not one woman. And they do exist. Yeah. So, so I think this ex- expedition is also to set an example that if she can do it, if they can do it, then I can do it. 
Yes. Because in the team, we have mums, wife, <laughs> some young, some less young, some who works at a desk, some yeah. who works outdoor. And we're all going to ski to the North Pole together and helping each other on the way. We're going to share our experience and hopefully inspire over to pursue their dream, to push back the limit they set themselves. Yeah, oh, I think it's amazing. So, but many of us dream of breaking out of our normal existence like you're doing right? <laughs> and doing something to push ourselves for our own self-development. How do you think we can start doing this? And are there any baby steps that you can recommend to start us on our way? But first, I, would, I want to say that if you're thinking about it, that's the great, great first baby step. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking about it. And then, and then maybe choose a challenge, you know. It doesn't have to be big. Uh, you know, sign up for a walk, um, a small run. Yeah. Uh, because it, it often helps if you sign up for something. It's a kind of commitment. And, yeah. and also you, you share with others what you're planning to do. And, and you receive support from that. Yes. And, and yes, some, then you might have to train and it can be really hard, but that's a reward by itself. Yeah. And, and anyway, on the big day, when that big day arrives and, and you look around you, uh, then, then you will be thinking that if they can do it, you can do it. And, and, and so you just go for it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, already, as I say, if you start thinking about it, then that's, that's your first step. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So last question for you. What can we do to support all of you? on the amazing expedition you're doing to the North Pole? Uh, well, you can support us by sharing our story, uh, by following us on our website or social networks, uh, because it's always great also to hear about you, uh, yeah. read your comments. Uh, so, yeah, helps a, lo- a lot. Thank you very much. Susan, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming and for answering all my questions. <laughs> well, thank you, Anna. It was uh, my pleasure for me too. Good. <laughs> We'd like to thank our guest, Susan Gallon, marine biologist, seal ecology research specialist, and member of the all-woman Euro-Arabian expedition to the North Pole for sharing her experience and vision on women's strengths in overcoming challenges, their values and beliefs, and how we can push ourselves for our own self-development and to protect the natural world. I'm Anna Letitia Cook. You've been listening to us at Women Up Radio. Thanks also to Meryl Guzel and Laura Martinez of UN Women's Empower Women for the wonderful work that they do to advance the case for women's equality today. And to you, the listeners, A big thank you. I hope you've enjoyed hearing Susan today. Please support their expedition. You'll find the social media links at the bottom of the page. Think of them when they're actually doing the the trek um, and give them as much support and feedback as you can. And send in any questions or feedback to us. You can find our social media and contact details through our website, womenup.global slash radio Women Up Radio designed to facilitate women's empowerment improve your career develop your talents incorporate your passions achieve fulfillment and success